Welcome to the Optimized Law Firm podcast, where we talk about making your law firm more profitable and more enjoyable. I'm your host, Patrick Carver, and I'm the owner of Constellation Marketing. We specialize in helping law firms increase their monthly revenue by 300% uh, by winning more business online. And I am pleased to have a special guest on today's podcast. It is Tom Kirkham with Iron Tech Security. And Iron Tech Security is one of the best cybersecurity companies in the industry. For over 20 years, they've been providing IT and cybersecurity services to utilities, accounting firms, and most importantly for us, law firms. And they um, have a ton of experience with securing law firms from outside intrusions and also dealing with some of the, the professional rules that that go into law firms. So um, really happy to to have you guys because I, I think this is an important issue. And um, so with that, welcome, Tom, and uh, thanks for joining us. No, it's my pleasure, Patrick, and uh, happy to be here. Excellent. How did you get into cybersecurity? That's a really good question. Of course, I've been an IT professional for uh, four decades, basically. But uh, in 2015, an FBI agent walked into my office and proceeded to tell me that I was on an ISIS kill list. Always a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. There's a few thousand of us in the United States that uh, your name, your address, where you work, your phone number, all your contact information is on an ISIS kill list to be killed. And the reason I got on that list is because of a data breach. Uh, we think it was an online retailer, but it was a, a data breach. It was totally random. People think that it's because I'm in cybersecurity or whatever. But uh, that, that wasn't the case. Everybody on my particular list was totally random <clears throat> all over the nation. You know, if you remember back in those days, there were polit politicians, military, law enforcement, like in New York City, there were some other lists in Washington. There was about four or five lists that came out that year. But that one, the one I was on was a pure data breach, total random designed to tie up FBI agents, you know, field agents to go tell people they're on a kill list and to create chaos and fear and uncertainty. And because of that, it really intensified my interest in cybersecurity, that very serious things can happen. People lose their lives or their livelihood or a great deal of money. And uh, besides all of that, I've personally just been interested in crime. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of heist movies, you know, the Oceans movies, the Italian job, Thomas Crown Affair, both versions. Um, and uh, there, it's just a fascinating field, and I love technology. I love the pace of change, and there is no faster pace of change than cybersecurity. So it's a natural. How would you cover or describe really cybersecurity in general when we're, especially in the context of a law firm? What what areas does that encompass uh, with kind of the scope of work that, that you do and your firm works on? Well, there's, there's, many, there's many components that as attorneys or, or a law firm really, that, that's very obvious. Uh, but just for the sake of stating a few right off the top of my head, 
there's perhaps no better company valuation than the firm's integrity and the fact that they secure their client data. You know, they, their discussions have been private for hundreds of years, uh, but now those discussions are logged and they're stored in files. And a breach can expose that publicly and, and be held for ransom, published on WikiLeaks. And uh, that, that, that is what, that reputation is what can, if that is destroyed, I can't think of a, a quicker way to destroy a law firm. And uh, not only that, but everyone knows RPCs, right? Rules of professional conduct. You are ethically bound to secure your client's data. And it's just a much tougher thing to do in these days of cyber criminals and nation states. And we do have to worry about nation states. If you're a patent attorney, you've got to worry about China. China has stolen more intellectual property over the past couple of decades than anyone else in the world. Some experts consider it the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. If you're a personal injury attorney, you've got to worry about medical records, getting fined from HIPAA. And that the HIPAA regulations are enforced by the Office of Civil Rights. That is not something easily to defend yourself. They, they fine first and then talk about what went wrong and why you're liable. Office of Civil Rights has a lot of power. Um, it, 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 but it, and so with the advanced tools that the criminals are using, such as the NSA's own offensive cyber weapons, those were leaked. The NSA was breached. Their tools are available for free on the dark web. The dark web is the web that people don't see. If you know how to get on it, then you're in a, anything you can imagine is on the dark web. And uh, so they're, they're, these criminals and nation states swap tools, techniques, they sell data to each other and for various purposes. And uh, since these offensive nation state cyber weapons are freely available, the game changed. Four years ago, the game changed. You know, no longer is antivirus reasonable efforts to secure your law firm. If I get put on a stand as an InfoSec specialist, you know, against an attorney that only had antivirus, only followed what their IT people said, they're going to lose the case. We do not consider antivirus only or even protection without an InfoSec team. We don't consider that reasonable efforts. And we're seeing it industry after industry after industry very quickly changing and requiring certain high-tech defensive tools, requiring security team being engaged, not after the fact, before the fact to defend the law firm. So you don't have to have, you won't suffer a ransomware attack or your data is somehow breached. Speaking of ransomware, I feel like that's gotten a lot of headlines and for good reason. It seems like a lot of whether it's local government offices getting getting compromised uh, it seems to be extremely common. What are some of the 
really specific threats that are synonymous with law firms? Are there acts that are happening to law firms that are kind of unique to law firms or is it, is it a lot of ransomware or what, what, what's kind of happening out there commonly with, with firms? Well, ransomware is the biggest scourge on earth right now. And it's a shame because, and it doesn't matter about law firms there, it's indiscriminate. It's done at scale. Okay. You know, we hear JBS, Colonial Pipelines, these big attacks, four and a half million ransom, 12 million ransom. We hear about the city of Atlanta that I think were, I think they only wanted $50,000. This has been what, four or five years ago? They were only demanding $50,000. And what did Atlanta spend? Something like $5 million or $10 million getting over it. They, did, they refused to pay the $50,000. So the ransomware, and, and what's really sad about it is if we all implemented the right stuff, we would all be immunized from ransomware. It can be stopped. But the awareness just simply isn't there. And that's, that's what I spend every day doing is talking about you, you, can, you can prevent this from happening to you. Uh, th then after that, you get into what type of law do you specialize in? I mentioned patent attorneys, intellectual property. Then you're at risk of being a targeted victim, right? So the vast majority of ransomware attacks are the five and ten thousand and twenty thousand dollar ransom demands that they cast a very very large net. They may send out a, a hundred thousand phishing emails. Maybe all of the members of the New York State Bar. I think that's probably about a hundred thousand, and they just send it out to them. They carefully craft the email, like this bill from. What is it, Westlaw or something like that? Uh, you haven't paid it, and we're going to turn the service off. Well, if you need the research, uh, the bookkeeper gets that and go, "Oh, that's critical to our firm that it doesn't go down." Uh, I better open up this Excel spreadsheet and see what invoices they say we haven't paid, and that fires off a ransomware attack. The attackers do not know, nor do they care. If you're a one-man law firm. If you're in the middle of rural upstate New York or in Podunk, Mississippi, Panhandle of Florida, Utah, they don't care. They don't know and they don't care. It's all automated using bots and they're just raking the money in. And after about a week or so, uh, they close up shop and go spend some time on a tropical island. It's a highly, highly lucrative business. They think in terms of conversion rates. They send out 100,000 emails. If they get a 1% victim conversion rate and the, ad, and the average ransom they collect is $10,000, what is that, 1,000 times $10,000? Good money. It's million, right? <laughs> it's, enough, it's enough money to, to make it worth their while. How, how common are, do you think these, these are? I mean, do you have a sense of, you know, you're, you're in Arkansas, I mean, or do you have, I assume you have clients from, from all over, but do you have a sense of, you know, within, you know, the entire state of New York, just hundred thousand attorneys, how many of those people are, you know, getting, uh, getting hit or, you know, are getting courted for, for an attack? 
That's an excellent question. And, the, and what I'm seeing in my informal polls during continuing education webinars is I ask everybody that's on the webinar, do you or have you or someone you personally know been a victim of a ransomware attack? And yesterday we did one that was over 20% of the people on the webinar. Wow. Even I'm shocked by that number. And it's consistent. It's, it, it's always between 10 and 20% of, of law firms that are on that webinar have either they themselves been a victim or a, uh, someone they personally know has been a victim. So this is not something that you just hope it doesn't happen to you. You've got to do more. You've got to be a leader and establish that security first culture in your firm and you've got to take it serious. That the numbers are against all of us, and the U.S. government can't do anything about it. These the vast majority of these criminals, there's tens of thousands of them, they live in Russia, and because their interests are aligned with the Russian government, sowing chaos in Western democracies, they're protected and coddled and sometimes given marching orders by Putin. Their interests are aligned. And it's very, very lucrative. I, I, I refer to them as uh, Russia's cyber mercenary force. And they're quite skilled. The, the days of these phishing emails, and, and a phishing email is what, is, is what it, it's a P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. They are just shotgunning, basically. Throwing a big net, like I said. And... Um, the, the days of these emails being poor grammar, bad graphics, misspelled words, those are long gone. I get a chuckle when I see one like that these days. It's go, oh, wow, look at this. It's like one from, you know, five or ten years ago. Uh-uh. These are highly polished emails, perfectly worded to psychologically manipulate or con the user into opening the payload. And it's not just a ransomware payload. If you are among those 10 or 20% that have either had attack or know someone, understand this, for the past four or five years, ransomware attacks have multiple payloads. They install server backdoors, key loggers on all the workstations, other get nerdy about, nerdy about it, you know, boot sector loaders and other malicious things, that once the ransomware attack is all done, <clears throat> the attacker then sells a list of all the servers that they've installed backdoors on for other criminal specialists or nation states to exploit at a later time. So if you're one of those people that's had a ransomware attack and your network has not been scanned by an InfoSec specialist with high-tech tools, these enterprise-grade tools, I promise you, you've got server backdoors at least on there, keyloggers on there, and we've seen them be on there dormant for years, waiting to be exploited. And if you're one of those that are thinking, and I've heard IT professionals say this, uh, well, you've already had a ransomware attack, so you're probably not going to have another one. That's entirely untrue. It's more likely you're going to have another one because they know you're vulnerable. I was going to say that, that that's almost like a signal that you're, uh, you're, you're an easy target. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's get into some of the financial costs because, you know, I think this feels like, you know, one of those things that it's like insurance or it's, you know, it's, it's not sexy, but ultimately this can have a tremendous effect on your profitability as a, as a firm. And you could be doing, you know, you could be paying us a bunch of money to do your marketing. You could be getting, you know, big new cases in, but if you are a victim of a a ransomware attack or, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the rules of professional conduct side of things. If you get involved with a lawsuit for exposing client information, I mean, what, what are some of the the financial ramifications, whether it's a ransomware attack or just a disruptive attack that puts your, you know, it affects your ability to conduct business or takes all of your your files away, things like that. What is what are the the costs kind of look like? Well, uh, there's a lot of intangible cost, right? So if you even if you elect to pay the ten thousand or fifty thousand dollars, and and incidentally, like I said, this is done at scale. Those those initial ransom demands are calculated on the fly, usually based upon how many workstations the uh, malware discovers on the network. So you may know of a guy, you know, single attorney firm that. Was, it was a $5,000 ransom, but if you're part of a firm that's got 50 attorneys, it's going to be more like a million, okay? And, and, and then cybersecurity insurance, if they pay, and we're seeing anywhere between 20 to 49% of claims are not getting paid, it, it, it's, they have limited liability to what they're going to cover. So these intangible costs of these breaches have to be carefully considered. It, 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 it's... It's your risk analysis. It is a fact that if you don't up your game, it's just a matter of time before you're breached. And you may be even breached right now and not know it. But uh, you've got to, and if you're not in an area uh, or a state that requires the reporting of it, you will be. There's legislation in front of the, the, at the federal level that is going to require notification of breaches within 36 hours of detection. Um, so you, you can't keep it quiet, nor should you. That's not ethical. So as soon as it gets out, you're going to lose clients, I promise you. I had, a, a, I had an accountant that I used, and they got acquired by another firm that I knew got hit with ransomware. And the reason I know it is because they bought the Bitcoin from me to pay the ransom. And I immediately switched firms. They, they, they still weren't taking security serious. So you're going to lose clients once it becomes public knowledge. But you may lose, there, there may be other collateral damage. So when Sony Pictures got hit from North Korea and all their internal emails got published, there were other people that didn't even work for Sony Pictures that lost their jobs over that information that was divulged. You know, you mentioned the operational disruption or destruction to the firm. You know, what, what's your average billing hour? Even if you're only down for eight hours, what's that look like? What's that impact on gross revenue? What if you're down a week? What if you're down a month? Insurance is not going to make that whole or only partially whole. You might lose contract revenue. I mentioned earlier devaluation of your trade name or your personal reputation or the firm's reputation. 
You possibly could see increased cost of debt. We're beginning to see banks raising interest rates on their customers that have suffered a breach because it's a higher risk customer for the bank. You are absolutely going to see an insurance premium increase, significant increase. We're seeing that uh, year over year, uh, even for people that haven't had breaches. And, and you're potentially open up to civil claims and other fines and penalties that, that it's going to be difficult to defend yourself against, especially when you go back to the reasonable efforts that's part of RPC. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. And what are we talking about in terms of the amount of investment and the the type of activities that are needed today to protect law firms? What what does that that cost benefit calculation look like for I mean, let's start. We work with a lot of solo and, and small law firms. You know, what's a a good type of investment they can make, um, you know, in terms of protection. Right. So the White House uh, issued a, they, they sent out a letter. It's only like two and a half pages or so back in June. And they named five things to put in place. And chief among those is an EDR. That's a technical control that you're going to replace your antivirus with. And it's the only thing that'll stop a ransomware attack. And you got to have a good one. Most importantly on that list was having a skilled security team. And this is part of standards of practices in cybersecurity world, or as we refer to it as InfoSec. And, and a skilled security team is not IT. These are two different disciplines. They have two different objectives. And they went out of their way to make sure they said, get a skilled security team. You don't use your plumber to do your wiring, okay? You don't use a heart surgeon to do brain surgery. They, it's a huge, huge industry. So get a skilled security team engaged. They are designed to respond within seconds of detecting anomalies. That's good. Okay. So it's, it's people, I just wanted to, sorry to jump in. I just wanted to make a quick point that it, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense to specifically find a company that specializes in security versus an IT company that has a, a security module or a, you know, a, a, a piece of the business, right? I think that's, that's what you're saying, right? Exactly, exactly. It's, and, and I talk about that in, in uh, our webinars pretty extensively. I contrast the two disciplines. Uh, it'd be like going to an, a, a divorce attorney for a patent law. I'm not saying some of you are great at both, but you know that, that it's just that rule of thumb. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that uh, you know you look at something simple like if you outsource your IT, maybe you're using what's known in the business as a managed services provider, an MSP, which is great. That's the best way to do your IT because they proactively manage your IT so it doesn't go down instead of waiting to respond to fix something when it's broken, you know, so you can keep the billing going and everybody, you know, maximum productivity and efficiency. Uh, so what you want to look for is the class of skilled security professionals, and that's called an MSSP, a managed security services provider. 
Now that MSP may give you a four hour guarantee to respond to an issue. Well, in the security world, four hours could be the difference between the law firm going out of business or not. We gotta be responding within minutes by InfoSec professionals. And, and good MSSPs <clears throat> will literally have dozens or hundreds of InfoSec specialists monitoring and managing your network. You know, they're backing up the MSSP. You know, former NSA personnel, U U.S. Cyber Command, military, uh, cyber experts, cyber warfare and cyber defense experts are, are, ma are monitoring our networks, our clients' networks, and responding. And then they, re they let us know and we orchestrate multiple vendors to respond to an attack. But we've got to do that within minutes, sometimes even seconds. We've stopped break, uh, breaches because we've immediately picked up the phone, called the computer, the user on the computer that we've detected an anomaly and say, unplug the computer immediately. Just that has stopped some major, uh, major uh, breaches. And how much more cost efficient is it to do prevention and have a, a team like yourself doing that, 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 uh, forget the word that's, uh, you know, hardening, I think is the, right. is the phrase, right. Uh, on the, the front end versus just being able to be reactive and, and stop something. Right. So, so you can use, generally use the rule of thumb that it's going to cost you $20 a computer per month to have a skilled security team, to have an EDR in place. To um, You're going to spend a little bit more for if you've got remote users, you know, they're remoting into the desktop, which I know most law firms have this. Uh, you need to secure that a little better. You need what's known in the business as multi-factor authentication. So in addition to username and password, we need that third piece that's time sensitive. Uh, we require it for our clients if they have anyone remoting in. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, $20 a month is what you can pretty much assume it's going to start at. And then it just depends on the risk profile of the client. Our job is to help the decision makers understand their risk. Now, there are certain things that we require or else you can't be a client. And that's a good thing. That's what you want to look for. Uh, because we're not going to protect anyone that doesn't pay for an EDR. It's too big of a liability, not only to us, but all of our other clients. Because our clients are a threat vector to attack us and our other clients. So we've got to be careful about that. But it, it, just a rough rule of thumb, starting at $20 a month, you're going to spend a little more for security awareness training, a little more to put a password manager in. Quit reusing passwords, please. You're not supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to use your, uh, your dog's first name and your firstborn's birth year either. All right. I'm going to go change that as yeah, soon as we get, yeah. we get done talking. And please don't reuse passwords to email. Once they've got the keys to your email account, they've got the keys to the kingdom. Well, like something that I've, all that. I've had uh, that I use and just I think it's such a no-brainer, something like LastPass or, or 1Password that allows you to, if you're not, you know, for people who are not familiar with it, it's 
you know, a tool that plugs into your browser and your, your computer that allows you to store all of your, your passwords in, in, in an encrypted location instead of in a document in your, you know, your drive or on your, you know, your, your computer or in a sheet of paper that that's also susceptible for, uh, you know, for a different type of intrusion. But just, I think little things like that and having, it makes it really easy to be able to give yourself complex passwords that are 12 characters, which, you know, from what I understand and, and, you know, clearly I'm no expert on this, even doing some of those minimal things can have a really big impact because when these uh, attacks or campaigns are happening, they're looking for the low hanging fruit. Right. And so just doing 20 bucks a month, something, something preemptive like that can, can be, I mean, it can put you, you know, light years ahead of, of other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned return on investment. Well, how do you prove a return on investment with any insurance that you have? You know, you, you, you really can't until it, until an event happens. Right. Right. Uh, but, but even in cybersecurity, if you've got the best stuff already in there, you're not going to have an attack. It's or it, it's going to be way, way past 0.001% chance that you're going to have. Nothing's a hundred percent. If the NSA can be breached, anyone can be breached. But yeah, you know, if you're a five person law firm, um, like you said, they're going to go somewhere else and these automated attacks are going to fail, but they're just not going to get through. We've never had a client get breached successfully. That's great. Uh, we've had a, plenty of attacks. Some of them were like, uh, this is going to be the first one. I, I don't know if we'll make it over this one. We watch, I watched one for hours play out over a whole morning, one Thursday morning in a surgeon's office. And, uh, we, uh, I, I really didn't think we were going to survive and defend properly against that attack. We actually had to have the surgeon cancel all the surgeries. He didn't want to do it. And you know, you've got to either that, or you're going to get breached and go out of business and you're going to have to fire us too. Uh, but, uh, it, it worked out. It worked out really, really well for them in in the matter that they didn't get breached. But, uh, you need to think of it as just a cost of doing business. You got to pay your electricity bill. You got to pay your water bill and so on and so forth. What we're also seeing, for those of you that already have cybersecurity insurance, it should be a no-brainer because with the way premiums are going up, provided you can even get a cybersecurity insurance renewal, because we're seeing them say, you've got to have this EDR, you've got to have a security team, or your premiums are going to be 10 times more than what you're accustomed to. But we're seeing the increase in premiums for those that aren't putting enterprise Fortune 10 level components, defensive components in their law firm, just the savings on cybersecurity insurance alone more than pays for it. So, like I said, for those of you that have cybersecurity insurance, keep that in mind. Your premiums may not go up right now, or maybe they didn't go up six months ago, but I promise you they will go up or be unattainable if you don't put these things in place. Like I've mentioned at the top of the podcast, the, uh, the, this, is, this is changing rapidly, and virtually all industries are going to have compliant requirements that's going to require some or all of the five things that the White House says you need. There's also the NIST cybersecurity framework. 
that covers a lot of other things like security maturity. Was everyone in your, do you do you walk the talk? Do you do you take security awareness training? Do you make sure you use unique passwords? Because if you don't set the tone at the top properly, you're not creating that security first environment. And that is what InfoSec, that's what your skilled security team is all about. It's job one is security. If we recommend a security policy or a technical control, it's because we're trying to protect the firm. It's not because we're trying to make more money or something like that. And, but we educate the leaders in the business so they can make that risk analysis, okay? The last thing I want to have happen is, um, or the last thing you want to have happen is, say you're relying on IT and you get a ransomware attack and you're using Norton Antivirus or McAfee or Bitdefender or whatever IT says is, is the best, um, and you get a ransomware attack, and then you find out there's a whole class of products you could have put on there for just a little bit more that would have prevented it. That's, that's the last thing you want to have. You know, if, if a client of ours were to suffer a ransomware attack, um, that, that we immediately investigate. We, we got to know what the threat vector was, who the threat actor was, what's the damage, collateral damage, what's the risk to the law firm, going, ongoing risk, and things like that. Um, but that's not in IT's wheelhouse. They can't keep up with that. And so if I have one thing to stress, it's to separate those two things. You know, most of the time, a lot of times we have people that say, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to offend my IT provider. They're really good, and I love them. It's my brother-in-law, whatever it may be. Mm. And, and believe it or not, more times than not, they're relieved that they're not asked to provide the security because they themselves know that is not their specialty. And that, if you've got one takeaway from this podcast, that, that, that's probably the best. Just reframe your mind and then set the tone at the top and make a commitment to increase your firm's security. Well, it's, I think it, it does sound a little bit daunting just in terms of how many attacks are happening out there. And I, I think this is a different type of cost of doing business issue than flood insurance or, or something like that, because the, the number of attacks that are happening and attempted attacks, I think are so much, so much higher, or they're so much more common because on a daily basis, we log into our clients' websites and we use tools to prevent DDoS attacks and intrusions on the websites. And Without question, on a daily basis, we we see attacks that have been defended against, and we know it's like a stock ticker. We see it every single day. So I think this idea that you can ignore it or that it's not happening to you at some level, everybody, just because of how you know ubiquitous these tools are, how easy it is, the the barrier to entry is so low that it's it's going to come sooner or later.
but I think the big or one of the things that I'm taking away from this as well is that by doing a minimal amount, I mean, $20 is nothing when, you know, compared to the just beyond the financial cost, I think just the frustration of not being able to use your computer and being out of business for a week or two weeks while something, you know, gets fixed. I mean, I think that is, that's well worth it in, in my view. And, you know, and I think it's, it's something we're going to, we need to do even more, you know, I mean us uh, and get, you know, take it, take it more seriously because we're, we're going to, you know, potentially a victim as well. Yeah. So, you know, websites are frequently overlooked uh, by law firms. And the last thing you want to do is infect somebody just visiting your website. And, and this is something you can do for free. Have your website designer or builder or whatever you call them. They can turn on multi-factor authentication in WordPress by default. It's built into core. It doesn't cost anything. Google Authenticator is free. It's, it, it doesn't cost anything in WordPress. All you have to do is turn it on. Turn it on on Facebook. Turn it on on Amazon. Right. That's free. It just takes a little effort. But that, it's, a, it's a changing of your mindset that you, you take it seriously. I can't stress that enough. Hoping it doesn't happen to you is not good enough. You know, we all know we don't walk down a dark alley you know, in certain parts of Manhattan at two o'clock in the morning. It's common sense. We don't rely on the police to make that alley safe at 2 a.m. Like I said earlier, the U.S. government can't stop this. Not yet. It's going to be bad if they do um, because it's going to launch uh, other cyber attacks. You know, something that, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but you know, we have to pay attention to the situation in Ukraine for our clients because they, you know, if we go in and assist Ukraine, Russia, they've got a lot of, they've got tools at their disposal besides just submarines, missiles, tanks, infantry, and all of that, and that's cyber. And there's no Geneva Convention around cyber warfare. So they did a test run on Ukraine. They stopped just short of killing people in, in Ukraine. And that was a test run. And, and they can unleash that at any time. There's most, I think we can all pretty much agree that from a pure kinetic or military might perspective, there's not a nation on the planet that wants to go up against the United States. Now, I'm not talking about 10-year wars and 20-years wars like Vietnam and Afghanistan. It wasn't a military might problem that those didn't work out in, in the U.S.'s favor. But what all of these foes that we have, especially Russia, with all of their criminals that they can unleash at a moment's notice, you know, open season, right? So don't think that it's just going to be the, US, the, or the Russian government attacking our government computers. All he's got to do is put a message out on the message boards that says, uh, United States is free reign. And then all of a sudden they'd launch hundreds of thousands of attacks for ransomware to make more money. They've just been, getting, they've just been given the okay by the boss. Let's go after them. Let's attack water utilities, electrical companies, uh, manufacturing companies, law firms, court systems, and on and on. You know, it's the chaos 
right? Imagine if they, if they if something were to happen like that, and there were a hundred law firms or a thousand law firms hit all at the same time all across the country. That would make CNN headlines. And so these geopolitical dynamics enter into all of our defense. And, and I mean ours as all of us. We have to consider that this, many of us think it will happen. Because we already saw it in Ukraine. T businesses of all shapes, sizes, locations, when they gave the okay to attack at will in Ukraine, they didn't know if their bread was going to be delivered. They didn't know if their dentist office was going to be open. It was purely indiscriminate attacks. They didn't know if radiation was going to be leaked out of Chernobyl. It affected everything. Airplanes were going to fly, trains were going to run, buses were going to run. And uh, it, it, it's a serious threat. So, you know, we keep track of Afghanistan and their cyber capabilities. We already know a lot about North Korea. You know, they attacked Sony Pictures just over a comedy, a movie. Destroyed 80% of their computers. And I don't mean erased them or held them for ransom. I mean physically destroyed them from North Korea. Using some of the NSA's tools <laughs> to do that very thing. And so we've got other, we, you know, there's other things. And there's, and there's criminals in other parts of the world. Um, but in Russia, they're pretty much untouchable. Uh, it, when, whenever one of them gets captured, like vacationing in Greece on the beach or something like that, as soon as they get deported back to Russia, they're released. So, because their interests are aligned. So, the, the, the cyber security world is a huge, huge business, political, and warfare industry. For sure. And I think law firms of all sizes, uh, specifically a lot of the ones we work with, solo and small firms, would be well advised to at least have a conversation uh, with, with someone like yourself, uh, with Iron Tech, and, and talk about this stuff and get, just get an idea of what, what hardening looks like, what, what sort of things that they, they could be doing. Um, and I like that you guys you know, have that uh, experience with law firms as well. Uh, so you, you know, you're, you know, about rules of professional conduct, you know, some of the, the threats and types of threats that are unique to them. So how, and I also, you know, is great that now I think you can do your work from anywhere. Um, it doesn't matter if, you know, they're near you and in, in Arkansas or anywhere in the U S so, um, how, how should, uh, excuse me, how should folks find you? And if they're interested in, you know, learning more about security or getting some of those, uh, those baseline measures in place, uh, how should they, they contact you? Uh, well, just go to irontechsecurity.com and you can set an appointment up and spend five or 10 minutes talking with an InfoSec specialist to kind of see, you know, we can kind of look at your firm and see what you need. We know the majority of you are going to need the five things, you know, and that's, that's about $20 a month per user. Uh, but the larger firms, you know, if you've got partners and, you know, other people that make decisions and, you know, you cover lots of different areas of practice, we might want to do a uh, NIST compliant 
security and risk assessment, which is a little more involved, or sometimes we do both. We just said, okay, let's get the EDRs on there, let's get the team backing you up, and then we'll see where you are, right? We'll assess the, all your vulnerabilities and address those and help you understand the risk. You can't put everything in our arsenal, our defensive arsenal, on, and we never do it. We, we don't even do it with ourselves um, it, it, because various reasons, but you want to, it's like any other risk that you take, you know, a business risk, you analyze it and you try to determine what's the real risk of this. If you don't do intellectual property, the chances of China attacking you today is minuscule. We wouldn't recommend advanced defensive technologies. Now, if the situation over Taiwan escalates, that that risk is going to go up. So it, it, the risk changes over time as well. Um, but irontechsecurity.com, be happy to talk to you, answer any questions. Five or ten minutes, you're going to get a good idea of what the scope is. Uh, and we deal with, we've got plenty of single person, one horse shops, no assistant or anything, working out of their home all the way to international law firms in various disciplines. Um, so uh, a lot of the principles are very similar. And, Excellent. Uh, you, know, you know, if you're a single lawyer and maybe you have a, a receptionist or an office manager, you know, helping out or whatever, paralegal that function in those roles, $20 a month, that's 40, it was at $500 a year. Nothing. It, exactly. And, and like I said, especially those that have cybersecurity insurance, it is a no-brainer. That insurance is the last thing you want to rely on, just like all other forms of insurance. Insurance is there to make you kind of whole. They're not going to buy your reputation back. You can't, there's, you can't put a price on your reputation. Uh, you might be able to survive with their payments if they honor the claim or don't find a loophole in it. Um, but, uh, there's the collateral damage is what you're really risking and not to mention the premium increases and everything like that. So. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for your time. This is a really interesting conversation and I think, you know, gives up people a lot of really actionable specific things that they can do to, uh, to, you know, take charge of this and deal with it as I think, you know, as we both discussed, I think we both feel like these attacks are going to come more and more. And so it's just a matter of time before uh, it, it affects your business. So might as well get protected now. So thanks so much for joining us. And um, we'll, maybe we'll have, you, have you again soon. Yeah, I have a book coming out. So maybe we can talk after the book launch. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to reading that. All righty. All right. Thanks, Tom. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you.